Welcome back to episode 133 of the Draft FC podcast. Welcome back to the Draft FC podcast. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for the next episode in our Road to Draft Day series 2023. Draft days are quickly approaching. It feels like the season's going to be here any minute and still a huge amount of content to get through from us at Draft FC. If you haven't signed up, we have just made our first uh, piece of video content, which will give you a little bit of a peek behind the scenes of what we offer at Draft FC, in particular the draft room, which is where you'll be able to find our rankings, as well as the average draft positions of every draft that's happening live daily from around the world. So for this episode, we're going to have a look at the goalkeepers. Now, the format and the content of this episode has changed probably two or three times in the last couple of weeks, so I just need to get on with it and throw it out into the world. So without further ado, let's talk about the goalkeepers. So for some general chat, I had a look at the top 30 keepers from last season in terms of FPL points scored. Um, and wanted to do some very rudimentary stats to see if anything uh, interesting came out of the data. And I think the most striking correlation, aside from uh, clean sheets, was between FPL points and saves. Again, probably not going to be a massive surprise, but quite simply, the more saves a keeper makes, the more FPL points they are likely to wind up with. Now, the correlation coefficient, which is uh, an analysis to quantify uh, the trend essentially came out at about 0.88, which is a sign there is a very strong correlation there, one being the highest, zero being the lowest. Interestingly, there was one standout outlier, and that was Edison. He managed to get 121 FPL points from just 46 saves over the season, whereas comparable keepers would have been expected to make virtually double that number of saves to come up with a similar tally, so it shows his reliance on clean sheets. Now, the upper echelons of goalkeeper totals over the decades of FPL have been sort of 170 plus, a couple of high earners up in the 180s. Um, and looking at the numbers, it's an incredible feat to hit the levels of both save opportunities and clean sheets, with the sprinkling of penalty saves and also the odd assist in there too. David Reyes' 166 points last year was impressive and will be difficult for him to replicate if he's still there. Look at Eli Martinez, for example, one of those monsters who put up 186 points in the 2021 season, but since then has pretty much regressed to the mean for, for decent goalkeepers with 129 and then 135 points in the last couple of years. Now, the goalkeeper position is unique in draft. You can only start one and it's a coin flip every week between the two that you own, or at least it can feel that way sometimes. And I certainly was flipping a dodgy coin at times last year. So. For Draft FC and the way our code and mechanics work, I have to present a full ranking, which obviously includes the top 32 goalkeeper options um, for those of you in 16 team leagues. Now, when I'm making these rankings, I am doing that based off of a total end of season tally. However, is this the best thing to look at? Is that the best way to go about your business? Or should we be paying goalkeepers the unique attention they deserve? Now, one of our fellow draft FPL content creators, uh, Snake Draft FPL, did a video recently in which he got a lot off his chest uh, regarding drafting goalkeepers. And the point he made in that was that rankings can be essentially useless as you need to consider the pair that you end up with. Um, so a single well-scoring goalkeeper might get you 140, 150 points over the season, but a good pairing rotated with a reasonable amount of accuracy could edge you up closer 
to that 180 mark and even beyond, which is extremely good output from a position which is generally overlooked week to week and is also coming from picks coming well into the back end of the draft. Overlooking your starting goalkeeper during the season won't be too damaging, but completely overlooking on draft day just might be. Now, Jack at FBL Draft Strategy came up with a lovely table showing the values in all of the combination of goalkeeper pairings. Very elegantly done as something I was sort of struggling to wrap my head around late one night. I saw that table at the perfect moment in my own draft prep and by extension, the prep for Draft FC because it built on what I'd already done in a very subjective eyeing up fashion and pinned some objectivity to it. Albeit in a reasonably simple manner, but simple is usually the best way. I'm going to share a link to that particular tweet uh, table that uh, Jack tweeted out in the description below so you can check it out for yourselves. Um, And if you can't be asked to do any of your own prep, that's pretty much all you're going to need to glance at on draft day. Obviously, if you do head over there, give him a follow at FPL Draft Strategy um, and like that tweet. Because what I had been doing up to then was essentially scouting the fixtures in a very time-consuming way highlighting two different teams going through the season and just trying to see how their fixtures coincide to see whether or not they dodge the uh, the big teams on certain game weeks so that you're not going to have any selection headaches. So for this season I've come up with the secret recipe for drafting goalkeepers. It was one of those eureka moments that you get. I instantly messaged the other guys at Draft FC and said I think I've stumbled across some draft gold for this year and I'm almost too shook to share it with everyone. But that's not what we're about here at Draft FC because we want all those part of this team to enjoy success, even reluctantly at the expense of our own. So after many hours of scrolling, number crunching, table from FPL draft strategy, reading the tea leaves, the answer to all of your goalkeeping worries are simple. Burn Leno. Yes, Fulham's burnt Leno. Do I think that Leno will be the highest scoring goalkeeper next season? No, almost certainly not. But what he does provide is the skeleton key to numerous pairing options to leave you nicely set for the season, in one position at least. Now, interestingly, Jack's table threw out a pairing I'd overlooked using the good old-fashioned eye test, and that was the Tottenham-Brentford pair, which avoids the big seven uh, clashes all season and gives you a decent fixture option every single game week. So why isn't that the answer that I'm shouting from the rooftops? Well, both Tottenham and likely Brentford's keepers will be reasonably well sought after. Tottenham do have another decent pairing option with Sheffield United to fall back on though if if you couldn't get it to work. But if you drafted one of those two keepers, there's a risk that the other one does get picked by another manager by the time your turn comes around again or by the time you're looking to uh, pick up your second keeper. With Leno, the pairing options are far less glamorous but far more plentiful. Brentford are on the list again. West Ham would also pair up perfectly to avoid all the heavy hitters for the entire season. Can't get a hold of one of those teams. Pairings with Everton or Villa um, give you over a 90% uh, rate for the season. So 36 out of 38 game weeks would avoid those clashes, which you would definitely take if that was offered to you now. So the reason though that, that the Tottenham Brentford and Fulham Brentford one is is an annoying combo to target and go all in on is that we're still not 100% clear what's going on with David Rea. I wouldn't be surprised if Flecken and Rea go in a lot of drafts out there, particularly if you're drafting in the next week or so, because both of them are going to have pretty high value if they ultimately take the number one spot. Now, looking at pre-season, looking at some of the rhetoric that's coming out, I'm currently backing Flecken to be the man and I'm expecting Rare to leave. But it will be interesting if if no sort of worthy suitor comes in for Rare and no big money is offered, what they do with him, whether he sits on the bench or whether Flecken is actually um, told he needs to wait his turn. 
In a similar vein, the uh, the other very nice pairing that I mentioned a second ago was Fulham and West Ham. And West Ham themselves are in a bit of a similar position between Ariola and Fabianski. Now, again, personally, I'm backing Ariola to take that spot this season. I think Fabianski has been on a bit of a decline. Preseason hasn't given us a lot to go on. They've both uh, both started a game or two, so that hasn't given us uh, a lot of information. But there has been some mild rumours out there that one of them could and should be sold. I think between the two, they're both just slightly too good to be uh, a backup keeper, especially for a team like West Ham. Let's say if you're drafting late, if you're drafting right close to the game week one deadline, then there's some clarity in either of those or both of those positions, then both of those pairings become uh, an absolute lock. So what would be an ideal scenario? Well, this this is draft. So how your draft day pans out is an infinite series of possibilities. And we always have to caveat that you'll need to respond to your individual situation as it presents itself. But what this does do and what this sort of thought process does do is give you options. If you're still not sold, and you prefer to grab an Allison or an Edison in the mid-rounds, then fine. Maybe just have a list to refer to for then an ideal pairing. Because getting Ortega to back up Edison is lazy and at worst downright boring. Uh, Villa and Forest Keepers would nicely support during the game weeks that City have tough opponents, for example, so you could have a look at them. But having something like that table from FBL Draft Strategy to, uh, to refer to will let you quickly eye up who some uh, good combos are. On the flip side... Just to look at it the other way, you could do very little planning. Um, you could come away from the draft with Edison and Flecken. So you've got City and Brentford's keepers, two of the highest projected goalkeeping spots this season. But actually, their fixtures probably dovetail the worst out of any pairing on the board with selection headaches on numerous game weeks and you're just not going to get full bang for your buck. I think if you want to have a more laissez-faire approach to picking your keepers, say at least having that pairing table to hand that I mentioned earlier, um, so that once you've picked your first keeper, you then just hone in on that row and look at a nice optimal partner for the season. Now, this won't be pre-season without the rankings. As I say, listening to all that, now you can probably appreciate that where they slot in on my list of 240 players becomes less and less relevant. To give you the sort of global context on those rankings, I believe my top uh, ranked keeper, so the first keeper to go in my imaginary draft, is around pick 90 to 100 so way 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 down the list um, and and take a lesson from that if you're a new drafter you're not going to be wanting to pick up Allison or Edison etc in the fourth fifth round if you're not sure why and if that sounds mad have a listen to the episode before which I've done on positional scarcity and hopefully that will convince you otherwise so as is usual for pre-season if you want the full ranking list head over to draftfc.co.uk, purchase a pre-season pack and you'll have instant access to our draft room, which will give you, say, our complete list. We've also got the official FBL ranking in there just for ease to refer to. And what we've also got, which is where the huge amount of our server power goes into, is processing every single draft happening around the world and then distilling that into every player's average draft position. Not only that, but below that, you could select any individual player um Havertz for example and it would show you every single pick where he's gone in every real world draft for that league size um up to that day and say so that's updated every single day so the more time goes on the closer we get to draft the more and more data we have to draw on if you want to have a peek at um, what that looks like in practice um, have a look in the description below there's a link to uh, a video where I have a little tour through it but anyway ignoring everything I've said up to now let's um have a little quick whistle stop tour through some of the draft rankings. Um, I don't think the keeper rankings are going to be too 
uh, arduous for anyone this year. I think the top four or five pretty much picked themselves as to the middle bunch. And after that, I think it really comes down to selection headaches. So like I mentioned a few already, who Brentford decide to have as their starting keeper, who West Ham decide to have as their starting keeper. Slight question mark on Burnley, but I think, again, um, I'd be reasonably certain who that's going to be. Same with Brighton. There has been some some thought of there being a question mark there, but again, I think that's fairly um, settled. So as long as you're picking a couple of starters, obviously that becomes more of a pressing issue when you're in 10 plus leagues because not all of you can get um, two starting keepers, but uh, that's when you need to become a bit more creative and maybe take a slight risk or two uh, as you get down towards the bottom end of that uh, of that list. Anyway, in number one for me this year is Edison, simply here for me as the bookies favourite for the Golden Glove next year. Uncharacteristic low scoring season last year, but I think very generally safe for upwards of 150 points, which is a very adequate set and forget if you're planning on doing very little tinkering. I think the value of having an Edison, Allison, somebody like that in a 16 team league, for example, is far higher because being able to bank on getting one of those combos Um, that I was discussing a moment ago is an absolute luxury which um, you may not be able to afford. I have Alisson in at number three, still a premium option and I'll tell you right now our average draft position data will definitely show him as the highest taken goalkeeper in everybody's drafts. I'm just very very slightly down on Liverpool's defence again this year since Alexander-Arnold made the move to midfield. In possession Liverpool's expected goals against reduced slightly from around 1.4 to 1.1 goals per 90 which is positive But I think this will be an area that teams start looking at to exploit when taking them on this season. I also think some of the fear factor of taking on Van Dijk um, completely evaporated last year. Liverpool conceded 47 goals last year. You have to go back to Leicester's title winning season in 2015-16 to the last time that they conceded more than that. And with a lot of overhaul in in midfield, I don't necessarily see that massively changing uh, as we head into this season. Uh, If I skip down to number eight, uh, Martinez finds himself down there. I think Villa are going to be a very interesting proposition this season. I can't remember the exact stat, but I think if you were to look at the Premier League table since Emery came in, uh, I think Villa are possibly a top four side. So that latter half of the season, really dominating teams. Watkins coming into his own. I really like the signings they've made. Tielemans is a great addition to shore up the midfield. Um, they've got Diego Carlos to come back. They just signed Pau Torres, who not long ago, I feel like only a year ago, was being linked with the with the sort of range of Champions League clubs. I think Ollie Watkins is going to take another um, big stride forward this season. So yeah, I think generally as a team, they're going to be even more rock solid. Martinez, obviously, massive character between the sticks. Someone that's got a track record of uh, hitting those heighty heights of 180 plus points for the season. And Villa are another team that have uh, two or three half-decent pairings to go with for the season, which would stand you very, very well. So at 11, just to really highlight the uh, my sort of certainty of his pick is for Bruggen for Brighton. Fully expect Sanchez to be sold and would then see Steele as the, as the main backup. Looking at how they are setting to play, um, so there's been a few really fun clips to to find from their pre-season games. They are taking playing it out from the back to its utmost purest form, literally with the goalkeeper knocking it around inside the six-yard box with the defenders, with then sort of five or six almost within the penalty area, bouncing it around to each other, um, even with a high press. Now, Deserby has obviously been there a little while now, so this isn't all going to be completely brand new but looking at it I think they are going to concede 
goals, but I don't think they're going to care. I don't think it's going to change how they play. Um, and I think they'll set up just on the basis that, you know, we might score one or two. Sometimes that, that process is going to fall apart, but we're going to score two or three more, which, you know, as a Spurs fan, is the type of attitude I'm hoping comes to our club. It sounds like it is coming to our club this season and should be another really exciting time to watch them. In at 14 is Trafford for Burnley. Obviously, Murich was penciled in as the starting keeper. Um, I didn't think there would be a huge amount of business there for Burnley to do. I think they would have, or I thought they would have settled for Murich with priorities in other areas, but they've gone and spent pretty decent money, upwards of 20 million on Trafford. So by that basis alone, um, he has to be their number one because that is a huge dent to put in their budget. And yeah, really excited to see how he makes a step up from uh, League One all the way to the Premier League. And then down at 18, uh, again, just to highlight the point I was making earlier, I have got West Ham's Ariola. Say very low down. Fabianski isn't a huge amount behind him because of that on you know uncertainty. But if I had to pick one of the two right now um, to go into the season with, it would be Ariola. West Ham fans themselves don't sound massively certain which of the two um, it will be. But from what I can see and read on various forums and stuff, that the edge seems to be leaning towards Ariola. So I'm going to wrap things up there. I think, say, going through the rankings isn't going to really light your world up. But I think talking about that idea of the pairings is is important and definitely, uh, I think, a better way to look at things. So there'll be some links down in the description. Um, I'll link that tweet showing the pairings table that FBL draft strategy made. Um, I'll link Snake Draft's video as well because I think he presents the idea very well too. And there'll also be a link to our new video, our first ever video, where I take you on a little behind the scenes tour of the site. So that's it for this episode and until next time, stay sure.